This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a blowy, snowy, icy, cold, ugly Monday night in Michigan. Uh, that's why all the racing was happening in states far, far away from here, and we got a lot to talk about tonight. So let's get into it, but first, let's see what's happening in a Motor City Minute. RSS racing officials have announced the signing of driver Parker Retzloff for a limited number of NASCAR Xfinity Series events next season. Retzloff, a former guest, you can go back and find him in last season's rundown during the COVID. Uh, We were able to get in touch with the Wisconsin driver. He spent two years competing in the Arkham Menard Series East Tour. Chase Elliott may have come up short in the chase for a Cup Series championship, but he did take some extra hardware home at the NASCAR Champions Banquet Thursday the most popular driver. This marks the fourth straight time that Chase Elliott has taken home that award. The Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series announced more money will be on the line in 2022. Over $6 million in incentives will be awarded to teams next year with 65 main events at 34 different tracks in 18 states. Plus, the tour will race, check out this number, for over $4.8 million in purse money alone And the series champion, he'll take home a check worth $150,000. And chaos in Formula One. Lewis Hamilton grabbed the win Sunday in the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix ahead of then-championship points leader Max Verstappen. With the 1-2 finish, the pair now head into the final round of the season, tied for the championship. And that's the first time that has happened in F1 since 1974. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. And it's uh, we called an audible today uh, with my buddy Rich France. He does join me, but he joins me on the phone tonight. Rich, where are you, my friend? Well, Zach, we had a little bit of a problem. Apparently, it's a tad breezy in Michigan. Yes. So, uh, so uh, apparently, that keeps planes from flying in the air out of Nashville. So I am sitting in an establishment in Nashville having dinner in the airport. That's where I'm at right now. Oh, no. Trying to get trying to get back to Michigan. So you are laid up in Nashville, Tennessee, after uh, a couple of days down in Pensacola. Of course, we all saw the behind-the-scenes coverage from the Snowball Derby, and it was another dramatic one. And, Rich, we have the story and we have your interviews, but I wanted to grab you here at the top of the show and just kind of get your personal thoughts on how you thought the uh, 54th running of the Snowball Derby went. Well, where it started, Zach, you know, you, you kind of thought it was going to be the Derek Thorne show, really. When he, I mean, uh, top of the charts for Snowflake qualifying, uh, wins the Snowflake 100, top of the charts for Snowball Derby qualifying. And, what you know, I mean, it, he just looks so strong. 
and then he led 300 or 283 laps before Chandler Smith decided that he probably thought that uh, <laughs> Derek Thorne did not need to win that race. Yeah, but before Chandler decided Derek's time at the front of the field was over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he did. And he said, I don't know why everybody just let him stay out there in clean air and run all day. And he said, I wasn't going to pass him unless I had clean air. And so he did what he had to do to get the clean air on the nose of that 26 and, uh, and really drove away from him after that fact. Again, we're going to hear uh, your interview with him from Five Flag Speedway post-race coming up in just a few minutes, but I want to get your thoughts, Rich France, uh, on the move by Chandler to Derek Thorne. Right, wrong, racing, indifferent, how did you feel? Uh, he got him going into three right, right, right on the tail cover. He never got to the inside of the left rear, never got to the tire. But, Zach, it's $20,000, and it, it is the Snowball Derby. Um, if Derek Thornton didn't know that that was probably going to happen after last year, then he probably shouldn't have showed up at the Snowball Derby. Yeah, because those, uh, those who don't remember, right, the same thing happened. Uh, it was Ty Majeski, though, who handed out the Chrome Horn, Chrome Horn Award. Yep, and I and I think, um, yeah, he, he was not to the inside of him, but he said, if I was going to, you know, Chandler said, if I'm going to win the Snowball Derby, I had to do something. So he did something. Well, man, uh, as you mentioned, you're late over in Nashville. You're having a couple of cocktails to deal with the fact that you're going to be late to work tomorrow morning. Um, so I had to call in some reinforcements. Uh, we're going to have Chuck Darling take your place tonight, if that's all right with you. Oh, that is flat. Chuck, are you there? I'm there. How's it How going, How you doing, Rich? my friend? I, I'm great, great. I'm jealous. Even though you're late over in Nashville and you're, you're kind of stuck, I'm jealous because Nashville is by far one of my favorite cities. Well, I can't. I can't get out and, and enjoy the city. I mean, I've been here before because um, I'm kind of locked down. I, but uh, and I am not cocktailing it up. So well, let's make that clear right now. <laughs> I, I'm having a nice dinner and I am holding a cup of Pepsi, guys. So don't fall off your chairs. <laughs> well, Rich, right. we we hope you get home safely. Uh, Chuck's going to hold down the fort. We got a really great show coming up, and I want to say thanks for your hard work down at Five Flag Speedway, but it's time to get home and uh, get back to the real work, all right? Yeah, and I want to I want to do a quick shout-out. Um, I really want to thank Cole Williams, uh, Andrew Scheid, and Carson Hosovar. They, they really stepped up to the plate and helped us out on our race day previews, and they all three of them did a great job, and I just want to tell them all thank you, that, um, and, and we appreciate it a lot. Uh, without them doing, it, doing that, um, you know, it would have been a slow start to the days, and they were more than – more than happy to get involved. So I want to thank all those guys for helping out. Yeah, great job doing that, Rich. And uh, safe travels on the way back and don't have too many Pepsis. Nope. All right, guys, you have fun. Well, let's get into it. Our first story of the night, of course, is about the Snowball Derby. And the biggest race in late model racing took place at Pensacola at Five Flag Speedway. The mystique and challenges that can occur at Snowball Derby once again on full display. The action kicks off Wednesday and Thursday, multiple rounds of endless practice. And then on Friday, super late models take center stage for their all-important qualifying session. Corey Hine puts his number 78 machine on top of the board early, and it seemed like it might hold up. But then it was Derek Thorne, the California kid who rocketed his number 43 machine to the top of the board. And that was enough to hold off Chandler Smith for the top spot. We move on to Saturday. Snowflake with the Pro Late Models. They take center stage for qualifying in their feature event. And again, it was the Derek Thorne show. He topped the charts in qualifying, which would mean that he would start from the pole of the Derby and the Snowflake 100 for the second year in a row. Rich France was down there, as you know, and he caught up with Derek to talk about his qualifying success 
at the Derby. Well, I've caught up with a gentleman in between last chance qualifying races here at the Five Flags Speedway and the 54th Annual Snowball Derby, who apparently has a complex here in Pensacola that you like drivers starting in front of you in races. Second year in a row, Derek, bringing both fields to the pole. Um, Got to feel pretty good. It is, man. Just a testament to the team. Byron and Carol Campbell have put together such an awesome program. Mike Keen, uh, shop, Fury Race Cars, you know, we've done a good job, I feel like, over the last few years of fine-tuning those things to get them where we want. It's awesome, Bill. Travel 2,000 miles. We haven't been here all year. Um, racing against what I consider the best in the country, not only in the pro, but also in the super, two years in a row. That's, that's an amazing feat. You know, it's just something that we should be proud about, or proud of. But just really proud of these guys. You know, when we come out here, we're here for 10 days. Um, it's a grind. You know, we got to grind it out. We had a good year out west. And really satisfied and happy we come out east and have the same success so far. Yep. To the novice race fan, they think, oh, just go jump in a race car and go fast. But qualifying is different than racing. And so what do you have in qualifying that it just seems like you have over everybody else? Um, it's just equipment. It's 90% equipment, 10% driver. You know, when you get in cars as good as we have, it's my job just to not mess up. We didn't know what we'd have in the pro late. We hadn't been able to do this tire shortage. We hadn't been able to do a, a sticker run. Um, all day, so we didn't know where, where we were going to stand. So it was a pleasant surprise to know we had the speed. But at the end of the day, it's just a testament to the team. It's so much work goes into this. Everything's done. Most of it's done at the shop before we even get here. And to have the strong of cars as we have for both is fantastic. Yep. We talked last year uh, in the tech barn after your second place finish in the snowball derby. What do you got to do to solve that? 252 laps led last year. We know what happened at the end. How are you going to change that this year? What do, you, do you have to do anything differently, or do you still go in with the same mindset? And I'm going to lead every lap that I can, and hopefully it's all 300. There's just so many variables that goes into the derby. You just got to survive. I've been telling people you just got to be around in the last. All you can ever ask for is to be around in the last 30 laps and have a shot at it. Every set of tires, we have three sets of tires in the pits. Um, every set we bolt on, the car does something different. So there's a lot of luck also goes into just getting the right stuff at the right time, having cautions fall your way not getting caught up in anything crazy. Um, you know, and the competition cautions come out, you know, if those things catch you the wrong way with the wrong set of tires, you ruined your day in a hurry. So we just gotta be around, hopefully that uh, luck's on our side and the car's got some speed when it counts. Almost all of this field's never won a snowball derby before, including you. Um, when you're so successful here with having speed in the car every time you come here, does that wear on you at all? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm hoping we come here to hurt some feelings. You know, that's kind of our whole our whole point. You know, we come here very modest because uh, Pensacola is a very humbling place. It'll bring you right back to reality real quick. So uh, when we come out here, we're, we're modest and humble about it. Um, we're just satisfied that we have the success we've had. We're riding the wave. You know, it's just one of those things that won't last forever, but we're enjoying it while it does. Derek, fantastic job so far. Good luck the rest of the weekend. Thank you. All right, let's move on to Snowflake 100. All Derek Thorne, starting from the pole and leading all 100 laps. 15-year-old Jake Garcia, the 2021 Southern Super Series champion, pestered Thorne throughout the late stages, but he couldn't find what he needed to get around the driver late in the race. Rich tracked down the youngster to get his thoughts on his runner-up finish. Standing here with your runner-up finisher, Jake Garcia. Man, Jake, you had a solid car tonight. Uh, Talk to me about the run. You, it looked like you were just chasing him, chasing him, but couldn't quite get there. Yeah, you know, we were we were pretty even there. You know, he's he's really good, and, uh, you know, we are just pretty even there and 
just came down to a matter of track position there, you know, at the end. Uh, you know, I couldn't get around him, but I feel like maybe if I was in the lead, he probably couldn't get around me either. But, uh, you know, hats off to them. They did a great job. Um, you know, just a little bit more there, maybe could have got it. But uh, all in all, a great job by, uh, by my guys and gave me a great, great car. Talk to me about that restart with 19 to go. You got a great run on the outside, and the caution comes out. You think that was your shot? Yeah, you know, I, th- I felt like, you know, out of the whole race, that was probably my best shot to get the lead there. But, um, you know, sometimes it goes like that. You know, caution comes out when you feel like you're in the best position. So, you know, it's it's all good. Uh, we'll come back next year and uh, hopefully be a little bit better. But um, you know, hats off to those guys. They did a great job. And uh, I'm also really proud of what we accomplished. Way to finish up the year. I mean, you Southern Super Series Championship this year. I mean, this has been a year your year uh, for everything you you know you won it the Alabama 200 but this has really been a solid year down here at Pensacola for you hasn't it yeah we've had a couple wins in the pro car and then uh, won the the Blizzard Series Championship down here and then uh, you know on the super side of things won the entire Southern Super Series Championship so pretty good year for us um yeah, I've been running really consistent all year, but uh, you know, just one more spot tonight would have got it done. Congratulations. Great run, Jake. Uh, good luck tomorrow. I appreciate it. Colin Allman, John DeAngelis, and John Bolin would complete the top five. So now we move on to Sunday afternoon, the 54th running of the Snowball Derby. Thorne takes the field to the green flag and picks up right where he left off in the snowflake, pulling out to a comfortable and sizable lead. Chandler Smith was trying to break a string of bad luck with mechanical failures. If you recall, he had issues at the Winchester 400 and All-American 400 and the Governor's Cup. And it seemed to be happening again for Smith as he was on pit road during an early caution due to overheating. Smith returned but would be relegated to the tail of the field on the restart. And for the next 250 laps, Thorne would continue to set the pace while Smith went to work getting back to the front. Three competition cautions flew throughout the remainder of the event. The final one at lap 282. On the restart, 287, it was Thorne and Smith on the front row with Thorne trying to close out a record-setting weekend. The duo raced through turns one and two and down the backstretch and then into turns three and four. Smith took his chance and moved Thorne up the racetrack. Smith would set sail, leaving Thorne in a battle with Cole Butcher for the runner-up spot. Thorne could never get back to Smith to challenge, and Chandler Smith wins the 54th annual Snowball Derby, his first ever Tom Dawson Trophy while receiving mixed emotions from the capacity crowd. It was a true mix of boos and applause. Rich France caught up with Chandler afterwards to talk about his huge win. If you were going to script how you were going to win the Snowball Derby, this probably wouldn't be it. Um, man, t- take me back to the beginning of this race. You've got to come down pit road early. you got to go all the way to the back. What are you thinking at that time? Do you think you can get back up there? Oh, yeah, for sure. We had a really fast Toyota Camry. Um, I'm really happy to have Fuel Me, Valtech, Marine Fuels, and uh, Virgin Players with Vets on board for this race. And this was our first race together, and obviously it was pretty good. So really happy for them guys. Um, But I knew we had a really fast Camry today. And uh, once I went to the back, they calm, cool, and collected. And I was like, well, we got about 250 laps to make it happen, so let's do it. So we... It was pretty straightforward. Uh, not a whole lot going on except for the competition cautions the rest of the way. Putting tires back on the car. Then you get to restart with 13 to go. Take me through it. Yeah, I knew from truck racing and stuff, coming back over to this stuff, I start realizing aero situations and what clean air really does for you and what happens when you're in dirty air. And the reason the 43 is so good is because he's so fast. He can get the pole and stay out front all day. Never really gets in dirty air except for when he's in live traffic, but everybody's fighting that, so it's all kind of equal playing grounds. But till then, he can build up a big lead and get a good gap. So I knew if I could just get in front of him, we'd set sail. So that's exactly what we did. 
Still got to worry about ta- let, let Ricky take care of things in the tech shed. But, uh, you, I mean, tell me how you're feeling right now after this. You got to be just beyond elated. You had a great year in the truck. Um, you just got to be thrilled. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. I'm happy for all. Wilson Motorsports 135. Uh, we've came so well. We should have won three races before this, and uh, we've had mechanical issues. So to come here and not have a mechanical issue or anything go really wrong other than starting to overheat today, um, this was the result. This is what should have happened three times already before this. So just showing up and doing what we do best. And that's what I was going to say. But you had to feel good that you didn't have a Winchester and an All-American 400 happen. Uh, or Governor's Cup. Or Governor's Cup where, where that machine shut off. And, and that thing ran flawless all day. Yeah, for sure. And today it did as well. So happy. Chandler, congratulations. Yep, thank you. Check this one out, Chuck Darling. If you can imagine it, Derek Thorne in no mood to talk following a heartbreak for the second year in a <laughs> row, but Cole Butcher did give some time to Rich France after logging his second top three finished in the last three years, and he was more than willing to talk to Rich. You had a solid car all day long. Uh, what a run. Bringing home third, you got to be happy. Yeah, we're happy, um, especially this being my second Super, super Late Mile race of the year. Um, the Wilson Motorsports guys, Tyler Tanner, with Tanner Motorsports, they worked their butt off all year to make sure our program's stellar for this event. So it uh, would have been nice to be a couple spots better, but uh, Chandler got it down for us. Yeah, you get that late restart, you got to think something's going to happen almost every time at the Snowball Derby. Uh, from your seat, what did you see? Honestly, I was kind of holding my own. I didn't, I seen Thorne go up the hill, and then we were three wide with uh, Priest, myself, and Thorne, which uh, none of us touched, actually, so it was good hard racing. Uh Priest got in front of me, and I needed about 20, 30 laps, but I was still able to maintain speed and get by him going through one and two. So uh, we're happy with our finish, but uh, we can do better next time. Had a nice battle those last few laps with Derek. You were underneath him. He, you kind of had him hung on the outside, but just couldn't get him cleared. Yeah, and there was no point in running into him. That's not, not that's just not how I race. So, uh, you know, he'll remember that in the long run, and uh, we'll use it to our advantage. Cole, great job. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Ryan Priest, who had a great car all day and even pressured Thorne at times, brought his number six machine home fourth. Sammy Smith rounded out the top five. And not to be forgotten, Michigan Modified drivers were down there over the weekend as well. Uh, they competed in the Modifieds of Mayhem portion of the Snowball Derby. Cody Stickler captured the win, but it was Michigan's Josh Ware who came home seventh. Nick Clemens finished ninth. Jason Cogden finished 11th. And Curtis Spencer got tangled in a wreck, but still finished 24th out of 39 cars. And that is a big snowball derby weekend, Chuck Darling. Yes, it is. Uh, unfortunately, I am not one of those that has a streaming service, so I'm not able to catch it. But I did catch some of the highlights. A lot of people question what Chandler Smith did. You know, I mean, that, that's a lot of money on the line. Yeah. But, it. I mean, he didn't like, I mean, he hit him hard enough to move him up the track. I mean, he used the old Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> I just meant to rattle his I didn't cane. mean to dump him. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, <laughs> Thorne collected it. I mean, albeit he had to fight to come back to second. But, I mean, you know, you got to put yourself in a position to win sometimes with that much money on the line. Me, personally, I don't like to see a guy get moved to win a race, no matter how much money is on the line. I'd rather see the guy try to jump to the high side, but you know, uh, to steal a line from Gavin Hanyati, it is what it is. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, Derek was on the wrong end of the wrong end of the punt. Yeah. You know, a lot of people said I would, I saw some folks say on social media, I'd like to have seen him try to pass him clean. I wouldn't see him pass him clean, but as Rich mentioned, and as we heard, he couldn't. You know, the clean air was so important down there at Five Flags that he felt he had to take the chance that he had, and you're right. With 10 laps to go, $25,000 on the line, 
I'm not sure I wouldn't let that car roll into turn three a little bit farther than I normally did either. Well, a lot of tracks, you know, the, the preferred line is the low line. So if Chandler would have jumped up to the top groove, you know, he may have lost two positions in the spot. So right. you probably figured it was better to, you know, go in there. But you also look at the, and you never know, you know, Derek might have changed his breaking point compared to what it was the last couple of times. So, you know, who can really tell? I mean, there's only two, there's only two people in this world that know exactly what happened. And one of them is a snowball derby champion. Exactly. <laughs> hey, what else is going on in news this week, Chuck? Well, there's lots of stuff uh, going on, Zach. Champion Racing Association, powered by Jegs officials and Jennerstown Speedway Complex officials, made big news last week in a press release put out by the sanctioning body and the racetrack. It was announced that Jegs CRA All-Stars Tour, presented by Chevrolet Performance and the Van Hoy Oil Street Stocks, I will get that right. Van Hoy, Van Hoy Oil CRA Street. There it is. It's a tongue twister. I know, right? I'm a professional announcer, (laughs) semi-professional at least, will be a part of the new fall brawl at Jennerstown Speedway in 2022. The event, formerly hosted at Lucas Oil Raceway in Indianapolis, will take place on Saturday, October 1st. The event will feature a $5,000 to win 100 lap chase race for the Jags Tour and a $1,500 to win 50-lap chase race for the street stocks. Travel bonuses are also going to be on the line. Sounds like it's going to be a great event. And, you know, I loved going down the Lucas Oil Raceway. Great, formerly IRP, great racetrack. But, you know, they've got a lot of stuff coming up on their plate in 2022. And, you know, CRA went to Jennerstown last year and was a part of their 4th of July festivities and had a great time. Uh, this is this is an interesting and exciting pairing to uh, take CRA to Pennsylvania. This is going to be a lot of fun. I think, you know, I have never personally been there, but from watching old ASA races at Jennerstown Speedway, it's a very racy track. And from what I've heard, they've sunk a lot of money into improvements at the track with the surface, with the amenities. And everything that I've seen on social media, everybody has given the place rave reviews. I also believe that the Midwest Modified Tour is also going to be racing over there as well. I think you're correct. Yeah, it's it's a trifecta that's going to be a really fun event. And you know what? Early October playoff race, there's going to be a lot of buzz around that event too. So I'm looking forward to it. That and and it's coming off once. it's coming off of uh, a birch run event not too far before that so exactly exactly our uh, our date uh, is September 10th so it's right there as well you know it's it's going to be a good time we also got the Midwest Modified Tour added to our schedule as well for September 10th so you know CRA and Midwest Modified Tour forming a little bit of a deal there very competitive series and you know the fans just love that competitive racing that the modifieds and the you know template crate motors uh late models are putting on and i am here for it let me tell you fans of this show know i love there are two pavement divisions that i will pay top dollar to go see template late models and modifieds so i love the pairing and i'm excited to see it hey also excited to see some things how about st louis man we have talked a lot about the Snowball Derby. We almost pushed the Gateway Dirt Nationals to the side, but this was an interesting year for the Gateway Dirt Nationals, and talk about calling your own shot. Following Thursday's preliminary win at the Dome at America's Center, Tyler Carpenter said he was going to walk out of Saturday's finale with the ride of a lifetime. Now, those who know, not only was a check on the line at the conclusion of 40 laps on Saturday, but also a chance to drive a Nice Motorsports NASCAR Camping World Truck Series truck 
at Knoxville Raceway on June 18th with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, and there was drama all the way around. Tyler Carpenter, it's his fourth straight win around the temporary one-fifth clay oval, and it came very difficult this time. With the right rear tire going down, he had to hold off some of the nation's best and really most competitive uh, racers that uh, we ever get a chance to see. Uh, and he uh, was able to get the job done. The scariest moment during the opening 16-lap green flag run, he sifted through tight quarters multiple times. And then fifth-running Austin Simpson triggered three caution periods for the final 24 laps. All three times, Carpenter executed clean launches and never opened the door for Tanner English to pounce. Once Carpenter got to victory lane, he delivered a heartfelt interview and uh, words conveyed with a different undertone than Thursday's rowdy celebration. We actually saw Carpenter get emotional. He had tears in his eyes and his face was red and he says, quote, this is for all of my family. I don't care how you see me, trash, rednecks, crackheads. I don't even care. I'm here. You guys have to see it, and I love the ones that love me, end quote. Nick Hoffman finishes third, continuing his run of five straight podiums and three different race cars at Gateway Dirt Nationals. Brandon Shepard rallied from the tail of a last-chance qualifier to finish fourth, and Bob Gardner concluded the top five. Uh, also in there, we have to mention... Some drivers that we see around our area, uh, Ryan Unzinger in there, Jason Fager uh, in the top 10 as well. And how about Cody Bauer bringing it home in 13th position? So a nice run for Cody, and we'll get a chance to talk to him a little, little later on in the show. Also don't want to leave out the rest of the finale from Saturday in the Dirt Car UMP Modifieds. Tyler Peterson went to the top of the pylon in this 30-lap contest and got the win over Michael Ledford. Nick Hoffman finished in third, Jeff Larson in fifth. Jordan Grabowski in uh, the fifth spot. And how about this? In eighth, inside the top 10, one Chad Bauer in the number 19. So a nice run for him. And uh, really a nice run for those locals who made the trip out there. So nice job by them. And you love to see it, Chuck, when the locals can get the job done on the big stage. It's nice to see our local guys traveling outside of their comfort zone. Also girls, Rachel Carpenter went down there and, was doing pretty well. Uh, didn't make the main show. I think she uh, hey, she had an issue in a last chance qualifier. Didn't get a caution when she spun to the infield. So that kind of put a damper on her weekend. Yeah, but nonetheless, it's really good to see all of the local talent, you know, getting their names out there at some of these big names events that show that our drivers from Michigan can hang with the big boys from out of state. And one more thing, uh, Jonathan Beeson won a thriller of a midget race uh, to conclude the night and the weekend, he beat out Chris Windham, Nick Hoffman, Daniel Robinson, and Jake Newman rounded out the top five in, again, an absolute thriller. Uh, one of the drivers from around our area, former Gas City I-69 Speedway champion Landon Simon, had a tough night, uh, completed 18 of 30 laps, finished in the 18th spot, but he did make the show, so a good effort there. Well, we also, Zach, uh, we found out that things just got very different for NASCAR fans and how they can watch the different divisions of the NASCAR sanction. Late last week, it was announced that NASCAR and Flow Sports have agreed to a multi-year partnership that will make Flow Racing the home of NASCAR Roots properties, including the Arkham Menard Series, Arkham Menards East and West Series, the NASCAR Wheeland Modified Tour, the NASCAR Pinty Series, and NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series. The partnership also delivers an investment in grassroots racing, including additional funding for local tracks and increased purses for drivers that compete in NASCAR's touring and weekly series events. 
The deal will bring over 280 races annually to the streaming platform under the Track Pass banner on Flow Racing. So this begs the question, Zach. Do you have your Flow Racing subscription yet? Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned earlier that you didn't watch the Snowball Derby because you don't have subscription. I do have Racing America. I do pay a monthly fee to have Racing America. But I didn't want to pay the extra money to watch the Snowball Derby weekend. I don't know what it is. I'm stuck in my time. I'm stuck in my ages at 27 years old. I don't have a Flow Racing subscription. But I will say this. It sure looks enticing with all of the great racing that they're going to have on it this year. Oh, yeah. There is going to be a lot of racing. That's going to be a big bonus for the Berlin Raceway as well because they are the only track in the state of Michigan with that NASCAR weekly sanctioning. So, you know, to continue from, what was it, Uh, NBC Gold to, you know, now Flow Racing, you know, fans are still going to be able to catch their live action when they're not able to attend the races in person. Me personally, I'd rather see the races in person, but if I have the chance, I would love to watch it at home. I would, Absolutely. Which we did. We, we've done that a couple times. We rented the uh, Wild Child uh, from oh, yeah. Oregon, and we uh, watched the streaming of one of the races up to Onaway. Okay. So. Yeah, I, I tell you what, uh, I, I did do a track pass race one time for Berlin. And also remember, uh, Berlin, through that NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series, they did get some funding through some of the challenges. Remember that they just got a couple thousand dollars not long ago. Uh, between It was between them and the fans voted and all that. So you're already seeing this kind of extra funding going into these racetracks that are part of the NASCAR sanction. They actually were the winners of the Advanced Auto Parts um recognize my track challenge yeah. this past season. So that was a pretty big deal for them. We went over there to, you know, as a fan to watch the icebreaker over there and do a little bit of coverage for horsepower happenings as well. Which and we I, appreciate. I, I can tell you, yeah, I can tell you Berlin is one of them tracks that you have to put it on your list. I mean, I love all tracks, but when you get there and you can start your racing and be done with the whole entire program by eight o'clock, Wow. Yeah. That, that's pretty impressive. And they've got a, a, a top tier facility as well. They've got the bar. They've got the, uh, you know, they've got the whole entertainment complex going. So uh, a pretty unique location over there as well. So if you haven't made the trip over to Marne, uh, put it on your calendar for 2022. And not, and not to, you know, downplay because I am. Of course you have to do this. Folks, this is politicking. This is politicking. You got to cover your bases. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. We, you know, but I will say as a race fan, you know, you got to support the racetracks and you got to give props to the ones that are putting the money back into their facilities. They're not just sitting on their laurels, opening up the track and hoping the drivers will come in. They're putting major capital improvements, just like Birch Run is. Yeah. You know, know, with our team over here, we're putting improvements in consistently. Berlin's doing the same thing. Corgan's doing the same thing, you know, and I applaud any track that that is doing that kind of capital investment. Mike Blackmer at Tri-City, Merritt, yeah. and now going to be Thunderbird as well. All right, we said we'd circle back to this, so let's talk more about the Gateway Dirt Nationals. It's our pleasure to welcome in the guy who's going to be doing even more racing here this season on a little bit different surface. We'll talk about that and more coming up. He's the driver of the 19X Dirt Car Super Late Model. Cody Bauer joins us tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you for having me on. Are you back home yet? Yes. Yeah, we made it back home uh, Sunday, probably around 10 o'clock. We actually 
got home just in time and missed the snowstorm. So oh, good deal. We drove right straight through Saturday night and uh, and got back home as soon as we could. So I guess first things first, uh, big undertaking to make the decision to go out to St. Louis and run the Gateway Dirt Nationals. Um, the, we all know the event is is tough in more than one way. Uh, so I guess first off, where did the idea come from? What led you guys to go out there? Um, I've been wanting to go the last few years. It just hasn't worked out, obviously, to the last year, getting canceled with COVID and whatnot. So um, it fell into place this year, and we got to go out there, and uh, we're not regretting any of it. It was a it was a good time and an awesome experience. Well, now, Cody, you had a really good uh, run out there, but for those of us that were watching it streaming or those of us stuck at home in Michigan without the streaming service, how hard is it for a driver that races at tracks like Merritt and Tri-City and other tracks to set up a car for such a tight, confined area indoors? Um, Honestly, I think we probably have more of an advantage there, you know, because we're always on these smaller tracks. I mean, obviously that's smaller than Merritt, but um, I, I would say we have a little bit of an advantage over a lot of guys that run bigger tracks that show up there to race. So, um I mean, as far as setup-wise, I didn't really change a whole lot from what I do at Merritt. It was pretty much my same standard setup, um, and it, I mean, it seemed to work pretty good. So, um, yeah, I would say we didn't change a whole lot as far as setup on the car. And, you know, it's interesting, the comparisons that, for me as a fan, I was able to draw uh, bottom lane or top lane. It, it kind of depended. It could be bottom lane dominant. It could be top lane, rip the lip. Um, and... Uh, that track had some character as well from what I was able to see. And, man, that last night, it really looked like it was getting cut up. How bad was it in behind the wheel? Was it as rough as it looked? Yeah, it was kind of – you kind of had to have two different driving styles for one end of the track. You know, one and two was slicked off basically top to bottom about halfway through the feature there. And then three and four was, you know, kind of hammered down. But you had big holes to try and, you know, maneuver around. So – Kind of, kind of took two different driving styles, I'd say, but it, it definitely made the racing um, pretty interesting. So now, quick question. I know it's a temporary surface, but how does that surface compare to racing at, say, Merritt or Tri-City, which both <clears throat> tracks admittedly had a little bit of uh, concerns on their surface this year? Yeah, I mean, the dirt there is, is something like you've never seen. Um, that goes through apparently some big process and gets, you know, obviously all the rocks and, and any chemicals that are in there are all taken out of it. Um, it don't really pack together real hard. So it kind of peels apart. And I think that's some of the reason why it gets a little rough at times. Um, Thursday night, it was actually, I mean, it wasn't too bad. That was probably the best night as far as uh, staying smooth. Um, Friday, it kind of got a little holy there in three and four. But um, as far as surfaces, it, it don't compare to anything that I've ever been on. That was kind of its, its own deal there. I mean, did it have good grip? I mean, was that even a concern? Could you even tell? I mean, what do they, they call that, what, like a fifth mile or something like that, something super small? Um, so, yeah. I mean, could, could you even tell if it was tacky or, or sandy or anything like that? Oh, yeah. At the beginning of the night when they go out and water it, it's hammered down. I mean, you're really, really throwing the car in the corner, and it's got a lot of grip. Um, but I would say it, I wouldn't say it, I guess, necessarily dries out quicker than, than most tracks, but it loses its quicker um, compared to maybe up here versus like when you get the, the heavy clay that's real wet and, and sticky, that stuff, you know, kind of peels apart and, and you blow the moisture off the top of it. 
So let's talk about the racing. Uh, you're racing against some of the nation's best. Uh, you know, obviously you race against some of the region's best on a weekly basis, but now you're stepping the competition up. But we've heard it said before, this racetrack is the great equalizer. We saw you running door to door with, uh, you know, some, some of the greats in the nation. What was that experience like to just be able to, I mean, in the post-race interview, uh, one of the nights, Tyler said, Tyler Carpenter said that this, you know, is a driver's track. It's not about big money. I'm paraphrasing. It's not about big money and horsepower. If you can drive, you can get around this racetrack. What, I mean, did you echo those thoughts as a, a small team driver? Yeah, I mean, I think I think so for sure. It, there, I, I believe, in my opinion, it's uh, based on a lot of luck, really. Um, you know, what you draw for qualifying, obviously, you got to get timed in good. And we actually kind of struggled there at the beginning of qualifying. So I was kind of hanging my head a little bit after qualifying thinking I ruined our weekend. But uh, luckily in the heat race, the cautions fell where we needed them and worked in our favor. And, and we made it to a, a transfer spot and made it into a good weekend for us. Um, but yeah, it, it is definitely the equalizer for sure. Now, Cody, you weren't the only one that had a good run. Chad had a good run in the modified portion as well. How cool is that? to take two different vehicles down there and both walk out of there with, you know, considering it was your first time down there, good, really good finishes. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, beings, we both made the show. That was our goal initially when we left here, you know, we didn't really have real high expectations. I mean, if we could just make the show, we were going to be satisfied. And, and for us both to do that was, was a pretty awesome deal. Now, Chad um, or Cody, I knew I was going to do that, and I did it last time we talked to you. I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. it My goodness. <laughs> uh, if I could just say C. Bauer, but that doesn't clean it up either. Um, I want to talk right. about your run a little bit more. So you talked about qualifying. You talk about heat race. Um, you go into that last chance qualifier knowing what you have to do. Uh, take me through that part of the race because that really set up your whole weekend. That last chance qualifier was make or break for you to have a successful weekend. Take me through it. Yeah, it was for sure. Um, I guess it kind of scared me a little bit because they went out and watered the track there right before our um, right before our race, right on the top. So I was kind of, I didn't know really where to go. It was bottom dominant. And after they went and put the water up there, I'm like, well, shoot, it might move to the top. Um, I went up there and tried it, know, maybe one or two laps. And I, there you can actually watch the Jumbotron and see what's going on behind you. So that was kind of <laughs> beneficial. And uh, I knew it wasn't working for me up on the top and and I just moved back to the bottom and, and played it safe. And, uh, I mean, it, it paid off. So did you start on the pin on that race? Did you start on the pole? Yeah. Yeah. I started on the pole. Um, I got the early jump there and I just tried moving around to, to see where I needed to be. And like I said, when I seen them all tucked up underneath me there on the jumbotron, I knew it was time to get down. So. Well, and we've talked about this with other drivers. They say, oh, I looked up at the pylon. I looked at the scoreboard. I mean, was it beneficial for you to have the big video there or was it a little distracting or both? No, I'm going to say when you're leading, um, it's definitely beneficial when you're out front and you don't have someone in front of you. Um, there, when you got someone in front of you, it's kind of hard to take your eyes off it because you know, you're so, everything's so tight there. There's no room. Um, uh, so you, you know, you obviously don't want to run right into the guy in, in front of you. So, but when you're leading and you got a little, little clean air, it, it definitely helps. So you make it to the show, you punch your ticket to the big dance, uh, obviously with a win. Uh, first off, you're one of only a few guys who can say that they won in St. Louis. Now, normally on a weekly basis, right, you would say, oh, I just want to be main, you know, come on. But you won right. at Gateway Dirt Nationals. Uh, is that still a, a surreal or pretty cool feeling? 
yeah, yeah, it was definitely cool. Um, I mean, like I said, after, after qualifying, I was <laughs> hanging my head a little bit. So to come back and, and win the B main and put it in the show, that was, it, it was pretty awesome. Um, and definitely, definitely met our goal as a team going down there and what we wanted to accomplish. Take me through the feature. Um, uh, you know, what did they put some 20 cars on that little racetrack? Um, you know, I just, I was only able to see some highlights, but I, I feel like it's rush hour traffic on I-94. Uh, you're going nowhere fast and you just have to catch some breaks and hope some guys make a mistake. Uh, is that a pretty fair assessment or were you able to make some passes? Yeah. At the beginning there, when, when it was real hammered down, we went, we went forward quite a bit. Um, and then I want to say we made it at least into the top 10 anyways. We had a caution and I got stuck on the bottom, you know, and there, like you said, when everyone gets, you know, on them restarts, everyone gets bottled together. It's, it's kind of just, you're just trying to make it through without any trouble. Um, I got stuck down there and, and tried uh, not running into the guy in front of me and kind of got um, blew into the side up there and turned around, which is, which is to be expected down there. So um, yeah, it's, you, you can't go down there expecting not to get tore up because it's going to happen. <laughs> How did you guys do? I mean, control or not? <laughs> most mostly cosmetic, or I mean, you did Rusty take the car home to work on it? Oh uh, no, we did, it, it was all cosmetic for the most part. Um, I think it might have been a tie rod, but other than that, it just knocked the front end out a little bit the rest of the race, which you know didn't obviously help the handle of the car, but it didn't do anything major as far as frame damage or anything like that. So how, how about Chad's car? I know with those smaller wheels, sometimes those modifieds really get to bouncing around and can, can do some stuff. His car. All right. Yeah. He, he didn't do any frame damage either. I think every body panel on his was, was bent up, but, um, <laughs> we, like I said, we were talking about that the whole way down. Like, you know, we're not coming back with any, uh, with any straight body panels. Um, and typically he's the one that always has the straight ones and it was kind of reverse roles this time around. I do want to ask you about one thing about your dad's car, and I, I want to get back to this interview being about you, but on the on the sail panel, well, sail panel is the wrong term, on the filler panel on the nose was a tribute on your dad's car. Tell me about that. Yeah, that would have been uh, my dad's stepson, you know, my stepbrother. Um, like I said, I'm sure as you heard in the flow interview, I uh, was pulled over to, to help a lady. Um, she hit a deer and was going to help her out by pulling the deer out of the road and, and ended up getting hit by an oncoming car and passed away from it. Um, so that was a, a nice tribute that he did for him to, you know, to, to recognize him for it. And it was pretty cool to see how they talked about it there at the dome. That, that's pretty special. Well, we're just thankful that neither one of you ended up on the flip count tally that they had on the bottom <laughs> yes. corner of the screen. You know, a few yeah. damage panels are way better than a rolled over race car for sure. Yeah, no doubt. We are we're very fortunate, like I said, to bring home the cars in one piece and not have a, a ton of damage aside from cosmetic damage. Um my car I went down there with an old body on no one, so I didn't go and spend big money on putting a new body on it to make it look nice and then tear it tear it all up. So um yeah, it worked out worked out good for both of us, really. Well, now the question begs for me, at least anyway, you know, you traveled over to St. Louis to be part of, you know, the Gateway Dirt Nationals. Is this an indication of, you know, the Cody Bauer race team, like branching out and doing some more racing out of state a little bit? Or what? what is the plan going forward into 2022 for you? Um, I definitely do want to uh, get to some, some different tracks next year um, as far as 
you know, the big shows go. I know I've kind of seen a little glimpse of, of what they're releasing on the schedule next year down in Illinois and Indiana. Um, like a few big money shows down there that I would like to go to. Um, and then obviously with all our big shows that we're going to have up here. So between that and, and what we have going on around here, I think that'll keep us pretty busy. Well, I was doing some research and I saw where you finished third at Shady Hill with the Mars series. And so yep. I was wondering if you were going to do some Mars racing, Sunoco ALMS, you know, the all-star performance challenge series. So, you know, you're going to be one yep. of those travelers going around in that domination race car. Yep. Yeah, for sure. We're going to sit back here once all the schedules get released and maybe take a look at them and see which one we want to go with. Um, like I said, there's just so many big paying late model shows out there now that you have a ton of options on what you want to do. And, and, and so the, Well, and the other thing, too, I was going to say is with the Challenge Series expanding to some different racetracks, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I would think, well, and I guess that's maybe a good question. Are you somebody who likes to see that change where you already know they're opening at I-96 next year, you've got a very, 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 very good likelihood. As a matter of fact, I think Mike has confirmed that the Challenge Series will go to Thunderbird. Then, of course, you have Merritt and you have Tri-City. So now you've got four tracks on this little tour, and I would expect a couple of more, maybe a Winston. Um, I don't know if you get a Crystal or a Butler or anything like that. Maybe a Mount Pleasant if, if all the stars align. But does that make that series more enticing to you to get some more tracks involved? Yeah, I think so. I definitely think it'll make it more interesting for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I don't mind traveling around, uh, you know, the bigger tracks um, and Mount Pleasant, you know, that's where I grew up at. I'd really like to get back there (laughs) to do a race, a late model race. That'd be be pretty cool. Are there any events right now? I mean, key events that maybe we wouldn't think Chad or darn it, maybe we wouldn't think (laughs) Cody Bauer is going to be at, but that you're thinking of taking that 19X to? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, we're definitely going to go to the gate, uh, Gateway Dirt Nationals next year, for sure. <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> oh, great. We're definitely going there. Um, but yeah, you'll, you'll see us at, you know, the all-star, you know, races there, the big ones, um, if not all of them, um, depending on how everything works out. Um, and then, you know, obviously you'll see us down in Illinois, Indiana, and, and Ohio at, at some bigger events, but I don't know if I'm going to do the every weekend deal this year or not. Um, probably just see how, how the year starts off and how everything gets rolling um, between work and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah. but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be around. Yeah, I think the, uh, you know, we kind of started to hear that a little bit last year with some guys right around July and August that had been running every single weekend. And they kind of said, you know, I got a pontoon sitting over there in the shop that I haven't put on the lake yet. Or, you know, I've got this kid's t-ball or this kid's soccer or this, that, or the other thing that starts sounding more enticing. Um, did you did you struggle with burnout at all this year that kind of makes you think, you know, maybe I don't need to race every weekend? Yeah, we did. We did. We raced a lot this year, honestly. I think we had like 45 nights this year. And that, you know, that's quite a bit. We went and ran that one week with the health tour there and, yeah, I would say probably about mid-season, you know, everyone gets burnt out after a while when you, when you do it so much. Um, and I've been saying this for the last couple of years, you know, maybe we'll chill out and not do the, the every weekend deal. And then you go on, it's like, oh, let's just keep on rolling, you <laughs> well, know. <laughs> I wasn't going to put it that way, but that's what I wondered yeah. is, you know, race car drivers. Look, I used to be a race car driver. I'd race every, every day of the week if I thought I could. But, yeah, you start yep. to think, man, I'm spending a lot of money. I'm not seeing my wife. 
and then Friday, yeah. Friday, Thursday night rolls around, and you're like, all right, put it in the box. We got to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, if I ever say I don't want to go, she's usually the one pushing me to go. So, um, but, yeah, it it is. I have a I have a lot of fun when we go out of state, too. You know, you go and, and meet different people and, and race different tracks. I honestly think it makes you a better driver when you can go to different tracks and, and learn how to race on them or even, even race with different competition, you know. Um, definitely makes you all around better driver, I would say. Um, so that's why we kind of enjoy going out of state and, and, uh, and we enjoy racing around here too. So, and you know, the, I'm going to say the lack of experience you have in a late model. I was a little surprised to hear you go to St. Louis and go to these other events and have some success. Um, you kind of got to have a, you can't think about that, right? When you decide you're going to go, you got to go and think that you've got a shot to run well, even in a car you don't run very often or didn't run very often. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely helps, you know, having, you know, one of the best in the business, Rusty, you know, Schlink, they're helping me too, you know, with all the, the setup info and, and the different places we go to bounce ideas off of him. And, you know, that definitely, definitely helps, you know, make me better as far as setup on the car. So I'm not always out to launch. Um, and he's had good success at the dome too, so that was um, even even made the decision easier to go down there because you know I think our cars work pretty pretty well on them shorter tracks like that. So now transitioning from the gateway and the dirt track racing, you've got some ice racing coming up with the snowmobiles. Uh, is the plan the I five hundred at the Sioux and some Myra racing as well this winter? Yep, yep. We'll be at the I five hundred, and then uh, we'll we'll be running all the Myra events um, throughout the season. I think there's four of them. We actually about a month from now we go over to uh, Eagle River, Wisconsin, for that World Championship Derby. Um, that'll that'll start off our snowmobile year, and then then we'll run run the rest of them throughout the season. Now, do you think that running the snowmobile is a, a little bit helping you? in transitioning to, you know, a, you know, I know you've been on dirt the whole time, but do you think that also helps you with, you know, transitioning into your car control driving the late model? Yeah, I would say it definitely keeps you in the competitive edge, you know, always wanting to, to be faster and better yourself. Um, as far as, you know, want to race, it's, it's like I said, I only get a month off in the, in the winter or fall <laughs> slash winter and maybe a month off in the spring. So, you know, 10 out of the 12 months we're racing. So it, uh, it, I enjoy it. We have a lot of fun. I, I love racing the dirt car and I, and I love racing my sled. Um, we have a ton of fun. It's kind of two different teams that I bounce back and forth between. Um, we got our sled crew, which is, you know, they're awesome, awesome guys keep our sleds going. Um, and then, you know, we have our guys that help us out on our dirt cars. So it's, uh, two, two good things that we have going and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to get the sled started now that we're we're done with the dirt cars and you know chad kind of raced under that tommy bauer uh racing banner and and i know the sleds kind of <laughs> fell under that for him as well but what what is your role in the sleds are you a driver do you wrench on them uh, own them i mean uh take me inside that operation a little bit um I, you know driver and I'll, I'll go out and help when i can um i try to once uh, we get done with the dirt car stuff, I try to be, uh, you know, getting in halfway decent shape and going to the gym every day. Um, so it makes it a little hard to get out there and work on a sled all the time. But I will go out 
and give a hand when I can, but there's definitely the guys there that are part of our team are, are the ones that do, you know, all the, the wrenching and, and keep everything going for us. You mentioned going to the gym. Uh, these sleds more physically demanding than uh, being strapped into a race car? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to be in a little bit more shape for the sleds, you know, and, and it's not, you know, a 30-lap race. You know, we're running 250-lap races, 500-lap uh, race, you know, up at the Sioux. So um, it's kind of more of an endurance thing than it is, you know, being in a late model. And, and obviously, when you got a manhandle, you know, a 400-pound snowmobile around it, it'll definitely wear you out. What are you, I mean, uh, I think most of us understand what it takes to, uh, maybe not, maybe that's uh, oversimplifying it, but I think we get the general idea of what it takes to run a race car. Mental stamina, you know, uh, arm strength if the power steering goes out, core strength to hold yourself in the car, uh, all these muscles that you're using. What are you using to throw a sled around and be competitive on the ice? Um, everything, your entire body. Uh, <laughs> I've tried to figure that out for years. Um, you know, I can go work out for two months every day and, and think you're in the best shape that you've ever been in and, and go hop on a sled and, and the next day you can barely walk, you know? <laughs> so, right. um, I don't know what muscles I need to work out that I'm not doing, but I haven't figured that out yet. No matter what you got, uh, I mean, you're always, like you said, you're riding as hard as you can and it's going to wear you out no matter how good a shape you're in. So you are going to you you are going to be a rider in the I five hundred this year then. Yep. And now yep, I will be there. Now this is for those who don't know. This is a team race, is that right? Do you guys switch drivers out while the race is going? Yeah, we'll have two more drivers aside from me, uh, Tyler Nichols and Bill Wilkes. They will uh will be riding all together and uh, sharing the five hundred laps amongst the three of us. Wow, fantastic. And now that's coming up uh, very soon, at the I-500 in the Sioux, uh, just uh, just a little ways north of your local short track here in the state of Michigan. Uh, you just got a little right. traveling to do to go up there. But uh, fans are more than welcome to come up and endure the cold and watch it, right? Yeah, yeah, they have an awesome, awesome fan base up there. I want to say they get ten to 15,000 people on the hill each year. Um, and if you like to drink beer, that's that's the place to go. <laughs> you got to find a way to stay warm up there, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Typically, when the when the beers get rolling at ten o'clock up on the hill, they're they're feeling good by noon. You can usually see them when you're on the track rolling down the hill by about noon, one o'clock. So a, a few hot toddy <laughs> back as well. I'm assuming to keep everybody warm on that cold day. Yep. <laughs> yep. I've never heard anyone go up there and not have a good time. So that's that's awesome. It's definitely a fun event. Well, man, uh, I appreciate you making some time to join us. Congratulations again. 13th place at the Gateway Dirt Nationals, uh, the only local driver to make and finish the show, which I think is just absolutely phenomenal. And then, of course, hats off to the other part of the team with uh, Chad getting it done in the UMP Modifieds. You guys got to be riding high. Last question, how do you take this momentum and this great feeling and carry it over to 2022? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to regroup here for the next few months and – get stuff back together and, and in tip top shape and, and try and figure out what we want to do and, and go attack it and, and try and make the best of it. Awesome, man. Well, that's Cody Bauer. He joins us tonight after a fresh run and a 13th place finish at the Gateway Dirt Nationals. And you, you can look for him at the Sioux I-500 coming up very soon up in Sioux St. Marie. Uh, Cody, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, and real quick, I'd just like to finish up by saying thank you to all my sponsors that have helped me all this year and, and getting us down to the Gateway Dirt Nationals. Um, you got uh, Blue Wrench Repair, uh, CNT Services, um, More Well Drilling, Cider Brothers Lumber, Tommy Bauer Excavating, 
um, S&S Collision, Christman Heating and Cooling, uh, Racer Speed Shop, uh, Gladwin Metal Processing, Schaefer's Oil, um, Tommy Bell Excavating. I don't know if I said that one or not already, but uh, Otto's Retreat, McKenzie Racing, Pro Grade Concrete, and Bauer Construction. And I'd like to thank all the guys that helped us uh, down there, the Gateway Dirt Nationals, and throughout the year, um, Mike, Austin, Jake, Eric, Adam, Darren, Timmy. Um, I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. My dad, obviously, uh, and my other half, Christina, and the kids for always supporting me. Um, so I think that's it. If I forgot you, I apologize. But thank you to everyone that uh, makes it possible for me. Thanks for Alrighty, that, thank you, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Well, that's going to put a cap on uh, tonight's show for the most part. I want to say thanks to uh, Rich France, of course, for all of his hard work down at Five Flag Speedway over the weekend. Thanks to all the drivers that made time to talk to him, as he mentioned in the open. Appreciate Andrew Scheid, of course. Uh, uh, you know, you've also got the uh, Cole Williams who made time for him, and not to be forgotten. Uh, Portage, Michigan's Carson Hosevar, who made time to chat with Rich. And then, of course, the uh, interviews that you heard. Appreciate those drivers giving us some time after the races. And Chuck Darling, appreciate you making some time to join us on the show tonight. But we aren't done. You're not off the hook yet. We have an upcoming calendar, and uh, you you included this on the upcoming calendar. I almost let it go. Uh, big event coming up this weekend just a couple hours south. Yeah, the Performance Racing Industry Expo is going to be taking place in Indianapolis uh, the 9th through the 11th, uh, lots of local area series, tracks, uh, parts suppliers, chassis builders will all be on the grounds uh, prepping for the 2022 season. I'm sure if we keep our ears to the ground that we'll see a lot of track uh, schedule announcements. You know, they've slowly been starting to come out, but even more so usually around PRI time, you find out the different series schedules and the different track schedules. Yeah, and of course, uh, we have been seeing some more dates coming out for the Great Lakes Super Sprints. We've seen, I think we've seen all of their I-96 dates announced. Um, so we know that they're going to be going there several times. I'm excited. I understand that we'll see a full schedule shortly after PRI, and that's uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that full schedule release. I'm looking forward. The CRA schedule usually gets released at PRI. I can't wait to see that full schedule as well. Uh, several stops at Birch Run. Want to see where else they're going to be close to home. So I'm really looking forward to uh, post PRI festivities. Oh, me too. As you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what all the tracks, what all the different series have to offer. Uh, there's also a lot of technical stuff that goes on down yeah. there. I know Turn One Performance, uh, high performance steering systems from Saginaw will be down there. Um, everybody usually has really big booths. I mean, that's one thing that I would like to check off my bucket list is going down there and, you know, just spending the uh, two days at least walking down there and interacting with people. Something else that's coming up on the upcoming calendar, the Rumble in Fort Wayne returns to the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum December 17th and 18th. That is not this weekend, but next weekend. It's coming up. Get your tickets. You can get them now. Uh, RumbleinFortWayne.com for more information. Rumble 23 makes its return after being shut down from COVID. Uh, you're going to get to see midgets, non-wing CC, uh, you know, non-wing 600cc, modified midgets, wing 600cc, modified midgets, carts, quarter midgets. I mean, all the racing you can handle. Going to be next weekend in Fort Wayne at the uh, at the uh, Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. I'm excited also that that event is coming back. Yeah, that's another one that uh, I... I can't say that I've ever been there. You're not alone. I've never been to it either. That would be another one to check off. Uh, You know, Tony Stewart's a big part of that. There's, there's rumors that he's going to be there. 
Um, you know, you see a lot of the top, you know, USAC midget drivers, uh, you know, sprint drivers, you know, strapping in. And then, you know, you've got your lower classes, the go-karts. I don't know as if they'd have many wedges or not, but, you know, they have all sorts of stuff to, you know, help spread the time, you know, pass the time along here in the cold winter months. You know, you get your racing fix before it really kicks into high gear. And now uh, we get to look ahead also to an event that you have circled on your calendar, and we're looking forward to going to it as well, uh, coming up in January. Yep, January 15th, uh, the 50. I had to look at my notes, sorry. <laughs> the 56th Marf Banquet, uh, Saturday, January 15th at Zuccaro's, I hope I pronounced that right, Banquet Hall uh, in Chesterfield. Uh, formerly at DeCarlo's, they had to change venues, so now it's in Chesterfield, Michigan. Uh, they honor all of the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club member track champions, which is key, uh, as well as they give out a President's Award, which is going to the Michigan Speedway Promoters Association. The Eddie Sachs Memorial Lifetime Achievement Award is going to go to Dr. Jerry Punch. For those of you that follow NASCAR a lot, he was a longtime pit reporter and uh, did a fantastic job as well for that. And then they also are honoring Vito LaPicolo, Vito LaPicolo Memorial Contribution to Motorsports is going to be given to Ron Flynn from Crystal Speedway and Drivetrain Specialists. Uh, the MARF Special Achievement Award is going to Jamie Little, who is a pit reporter, NASCAR reporter. And congratulations, once again, in case anybody that wasn't listening before when it was announced, Horsepower Happenings is going to get the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club Motorsports Media Award. It makes me smile still to hear it. So um, we're honored to, to uh, take that home and looking forward to it. January 15th. Now, Chuck, real quick, uh, anybody can buy tickets to the banquet. Is that right, if they'd like to come and attend and have a good time? That is, yep, that is correct. All the information can be found on uh, marfc.org. Um, I'm, I believe Bill has a PayPal on there. I and think so. you, he also has the address on there that you can send a physical check to. Um, it's a great time. Uh, you get to see lots of racing folks get to do bench racing. They have, you know, uh, raffle tables where you can win prizes, dinner, dancing, the whole nine yards. It's it's a great time. Yeah, and for sure. And if you've been thinking about it, uh, sign up to become a Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club member. Uh, really great perks, including free admission into some races throughout the summer, which I think is the biggest perk of them all. Yep, definitely. And uh, working at Bertrand Speedway, I know that there will be a date there. Um, I'm kind of gonna. I'm kind of curious to see what the dates are at the other tracks because I do like to take advantage of the best deal in all of auto racing, a Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club membership. Well, Chuck, uh, that's gonna do it for tonight's episode of Horsepower Happenings. Thanks so much for being available on the Audible to uh, come in and sit in for Rich France. Hey, no problem at all. Uh, you know, I hope nobody minded the little bit of sniffling. Fortunately, I didn't <laughs> sneeze. You know, it kind of sucks to get this on your birthday, but, you know, I'll take some drugs in a little while and see what happens. Yeah, thanks for working on your birthday, my man. So, hey, that's going to do it for tonight. On behalf of Rich France, who's laid over in Nashville, Chuck Darling, who steps in to fill the chair. Uh, on behalf of Scott Menlin, who pays the bills, I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place, right here, Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.